Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sabbath School Quarterly Commentary Podcast. My name is Pastor Ben Ray. I'm from Walls End Church, and it's great to be with you today, wherever you're listening from. We're going to be looking at the Sabbath School lesson this week, and I'd like to start with a prayer. So let's bow our heads and ask for God's blessing. Dear God in heaven, we just want to say thank you so much for giving us your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We ask for your spirit to fill us now. Lord, forgive our sin, help us to draw near to you, and I pray that you would fill our hearts and minds as we turn towards your ways and your word right now. In Jesus' name, amen. What's well, a really great theme that we're looking at this week, which is called developing a winning attitude, developing a winning attitude. And I want to go through about five key thoughts with you today, and we'll start with um, moving through Sabbath afternoon's lesson. There's this great scripture here from 1 Peter 3, verse 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord in God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It talks about how we need to be ready to share our faith at any time. I want to just talk to you about that for a minute as we start. How important is it to be ready to share the gospel at the drop of a hat? Well, as Christians, you know, this is the Great Commission that we'd go out into all the world and spread the gospel, teaching them to follow Jesus and so forth. So, you know, I want to just start with a thought um, from my own experience. I remember being back in New Zealand, probably would have been about um, close to 10 years ago now, and we're in the middle of planting a church there in Christchurch. At the time, we were renting a school venue and it was a public school. We had about 100 new believers coming along and it was very exciting. I remember meeting with the principal of the school and we'd have to get together from time to time just to discuss the logistics of the hire of the venue. And I remember one day she asked me, why do people come to your church? Now, I knew in that moment it was an opportunity. This um, high level leader in our community was asking me, a pastor, who she could see had a growing church, why are these people coming? And the thing is, I wasn't prepared for that question. I knew it was an opportunity when she asked it. I fumbled a variety of answers, but I could tell I'd missed a great chance to witness to an important leader in our community. I wish that I'd something said something better that really just clearly lifted up Jesus and aroused more interest in her um, to want to find out more about Christ. But the opportunity sort of came and went, and I've always regretted that I wasn't more ready for that moment. You know, I think it's a great thing to prepare in advance to be ready to say why we believe in Jesus. And I was thinking about some different ways that we could do that, and perhaps this is something that people could consider in their Sabbath schools. Uh, I think it would be great to prepare answers to a few different kinds of questions. And so here's four questions that I think would be great to have some sort of answer prepared for. Just they're real simple ones. Why do I follow Jesus? Or what about this one? Number two, why do people come to my church? Or why do I go to my church? Number three, what has being a Christian done for me? Or you could change that to what has Jesus done for me? And number four, why do I believe at all in God in this day and age of unbelief and skepticism? Now, these answers might overlap, but I think that there's different answers for each one of these. I'll go through them again. Why, why do I follow Jesus? Why do I go to my church or why do people come to my church? Uh, what has being a Christian or what has following or what has 
Jesus done for me? And why do I believe at all in God in this day and age of unbelief and skepticism? I was thinking of um, a great way to sort of grow in developing answers for these questions um, would be to use them in family worship. Depending on what your family dynamics are, maybe you could um, take one of these questions and then each family member could work on an answer. And so for family worship over the week, each person could take a turn and they could give their answer to that question. And, um, you know, you could have some discussion around how they went with that and, and help them refine it and help them develop their idea. You know, like if someone could say, why do I go to my church? There's some reasons why we go to church that are, they are part of the reason why you've chosen your specific church, but it's irrelevant to the opportunity to witness for Christ. Like, for example, you could get carried away with the fact that it's geographically close compared to another one. Or you could talk about um, some other logistical thing of why you've chosen your church and overlook the opportunity to get to the heart of why the Holy Spirit might have prompted that person to ask you why you go to that church, because maybe they're curious about God. And so you want to draw the content of your answer to something spiritual that's connecting them with Jesus or a greater understanding or a greater interest in learning more about Jesus. You know, I believe that when you're ready for this, God will send you opportunities. And um, I think it's worth taking the time. And, you know, I think it's also worth having it so well in your head that you can adjust it to one minute, five minutes or 10 minutes, you know, in this world that we live in, everything's fast paced and the one minute version is probably the most useful. But if you've got time sitting next to someone on a, on a bus trip or a plane trip or whatever, you've got the time, um, you know, a five or 10 minute version is good as well. And so this is really something that I think is great to work on. And, um, I think that that's a, uh, I want to encourage you to think of perhaps using this as a tool for maybe family worship time, maybe for opening Sabbath worship on a Friday night or closing Sabbath on a Saturday night. You could go around in a circle and have people say, you know, and answer the question, why do I follow Jesus? And think about not just answering it in its broadest terms, but getting to the heart of what would be useful for a seeking person to hear that's true for you but it's getting to the heart of the matter for that person. All right, that, um, that's our first section. We're just looking there at Sabbath afternoon and really just bouncing off of that beautiful scripture that says, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that you have. But you know what? That's not the full extent of what this week's lesson is all about. This week's lesson is all about developing a winning attitude. So if we're going to witness, it's one thing to know the content. And I guess everything that I've been talking about so far is about knowing the content, being ready with an answer that is useful and insightful and spiritual. Um, having good content is half of it for sure. But the other half is how you deliver that content. In fact, if you don't have good content and good delivery, Nobody's going to want to listen to what you have to say. And it goes for all kinds of communication. Um, someone can have all the right answers, but it might be dead boring or it'll come across as fake or prideful or uncaring and it'll backfire. Um, or somebody might have a whole bunch of enthusiasm and all the charisma in the world, but they don't really have anything useful to say. And so we need to have our content ready 
but we need to learn to have the right winning attitude because I believe that if you have the right attitude, you know, whatever is in the heart, out of, out of the heart, the overflow of the heart is what the mouth speaks. So we can't just fake it. We need to have a truly converted heart and out of that loving heart, we'll have a winning attitude. That's what this week's all about, having that right attitude. So as we share the content of what God has given us to say, it comes out in a powerful, effective and meaningful way. All right, let's look at Sunday's topic. And, and Sunday um, in this lesson on developing a winning attitude really is about being led by the Holy Spirit. We have the beautiful story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And we know that Jesus, was his mission was to go to the Jews rather than the Gentiles and the Samaritans were fell somewhere in between. And so it's interesting how Jesus went out of his way the, the disciples would have never chosen and they and he went to Samaria especially to find this woman. What a beautiful thought that is. Let's just have a look at the scripture there. So we're reading John 4 verse 27 to 30. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And so they came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then in a few verses down in verse 39 to 42, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Wow, what an awesome outcome. And Jesus went out of his way to encounter this woman and it led to an opening of a door. She was really somewhat, she wouldn't have ever seen herself this way, but she was a gatekeeper for the Holy Spirit's power to flow into that um, Samaritan town. Now, what, we can, what can we learn from this? I think that the key thought here is to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. If we're planning a logical strategy, that's, that's useful. It's going to get us a certain distance. And God has given us wisdom and logic that we should apply to life. We shouldn't be trying to figure out all of life by signs and wonders. But at the same time, we need to be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I really believe that it's worth learning some extra thought on how do you hear the voice of God? Because developing a winning attitude is about being led by the Holy Spirit. If you've got the right thing to say and the right content, but you're delivering it to the wrong person at the right, wrong time, it's still going to fall on deaf ears. It's going to go nowhere. The Holy Spirit knows today who in your neighborhood, who in your workplace, who at your school, who at your university, who in your town, who out of your collection of friends, is open and hungry to hear a word from God, the Holy Spirit knows that information right now. How, how is he going to let you know that so that you can be used by him? I think one of the critical things is to start every day and just say, dear God in heaven, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's such an important prayer. We can overlook the importance of coming to God and asking for his spirit to fill us anew every day. But I believe that as you do that, that's the best way to start the day. And then another important prayer to pray is, dear God, please use me today. 
Help me to hear your voice and use me in the plans that you've got for my life. I surrender my day to you. Now, you still have your diary, you still have your plans, you still go out and do whatever it is that you plan to do, but you have this openness, you have this awareness, I'm partnering with God, I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit. Maybe God's going to change my schedule and I'm open to that because I'm looking for an opportunity to serve and witness for him. Here's a few tips and pointers around hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. On one extreme, it can make you crazy if you think that every red light is a sign from God and every green light's another sign or a bird lands at the window and it means you're going to have a good day or, you know, we can, we can do ourselves in looking, looking at, for signs at, at every sort of moment. On the other alternative, um, we can block out God communicating with us altogether and this is also problematic. And, you know, in 1 Thessalonians 5, referring to the gift of prophecy, which is really one form of God prompting us or guiding us, it says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hang in to what is good and chuck out what is evil. So we've got to use this discernment. So here's a few tips. I'm going to give you four tips on figuring out if it's God's voice speaking to you, because I think this is critical in growing in our faith. Number one, is it biblical? If God's prompting you to do something that doesn't line up with the Holy Scriptures, it's not God who's doing the prompting. It's just that simple. So right there is motivation for us to open the Word of God and become very familiar with it. You can't just take one Scripture out of context. We need to read broad sections of Scripture. If you've never read the Bible from cover to cover, I really want to encourage you, pick it up and start at the beginning and work your way through it. If you're a new believer, you're going to want a friend to help give you information about how to understand the Bible. Different literature is written in different ways. Prophecy is different from the poetry of the Psalms, which is different from a historical account. You need to know what kind of literature you're reading. But work your way through the whole Bible. Do it. If you read one chapter a day, it's going to take you just over two years. If you read 10 chapters a day, you'll get through the whole thing in three months. The whole thing in three months. Five minutes a chapter. That's 50 minutes. In less than an hour a day, you could read the whole Bible in three months. You're going to miss things. You're going to read the Bible more than once in your life, I hope, and you'll continue to dig more and more out of it. But have a good look at the scripture because that's your first test to knowing whether or not it's God's voice speaking to you. Is it biblical? By the way, as you're reading through the scripture, here's just a little side tip. You, you come across something that you don't understand. You don't need to stop there. Just write it down. Have a little notebook that goes with your Bible and write down the scripture and set, write down your question and have faith that in time you'll come to know the answer. Every now and again, you might take your questions to a spiritual um, mentor or leader and try and figure out the answers to them. But many times the answer will come just as you keep reading more of the scripture. So collect those questions and keep moving through God's word. Anyway, that's number one. Is it biblical? Number two, run it by other Christians. You know, the Bible says, his sheep hear me, uh, my sheep hear me, and they know my voice. It's Jesus in John chapter 10. He's talking about how he's the good shepherd and his sheep, that's us, hear him and know his voice. Interesting thing about the analogy of farm animals, sheep and cows, cattle, and so forth. I remember um, growing up on a farm with a few cows and one of the things that we'd do is if we had some calves that didn't really understand what was going on, we had to move them from one paddock to another paddock. We'd put in 
the mix of the calves, one or two older cows. And then when we're trying to move the cattle, the older cows know what's going on and the younger cows follow their lead. The calves follow their lead. And it's much easier because otherwise the little ones don't really understand what we're trying to do. Uh, the older ones get the idea. We're standing behind them. We want them to move further away from us. We open a gate. They see the gate. They need to walk through it. They've learned the ropes from following older cows in their time. Now, I believe that this is part of the plan for God's um, children as Christians. If you're a new Christian, it's too much to expect that you're going to understand every nuance and prompting of the Holy Spirit just straight off. You need to learn to hear the voice of the shepherd. And older Christians with a genuine walk with Jesus can help you in this. And this is not just a farm idea. This is something that's found in the scripture. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, talks about if someone has a prophetic message, it should be weighed up by others who are listening in to see what's said. What's going on there? We've got the idea that a message from God um, could be misinterpreted, but by taking it to the community, it can be weighed up to see if it's biblical or if it sounds like it's really from the Lord or not. And you don't need to interrupt a church meeting to do this. That would be inappropriate. You can just ring a couple of friends if it really matters that much and ask them what they think, provided that they're um, mature Christian people. And so the second test is run it by other Christians, run it by other Christians. The third test is um, what are the fruit of it? So just imagine if you acted on that, would it produce fruit that would glorify God? Would the outcomes of what you think God might be prompting you to do, would they likely glorify God or could they detract from God and his plans? And then fourthly, if it's safe and there's no real risk involved, test it out and see what happens. For example, if the prompting is ring, ring your friend from five years ago and just check in on them, there's not really any loss with that. If, if it wasn't from God, you've got nothing to lose. Um, there's no real risk with it. So why not just give them a ring? And you might find that they say, wow, I was just praying to God and I needed some encouragement. And I asked for some encouragement and here you are on the phone. And then you can learn from that and you can think, okay, well, that, that thought came into my mind and I thought that might be God. I tried it out and it turns out that it seems that it really was a prompting of the Holy Spirit, most likely. And so in practice, you'll figure out, you'll learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. So lesson number two from Sunday is with the woman at the well, Jesus ended up there because he had learned to hear the Father's voice. And God wants you to learn to hear his voice, but you've got to put effort into it to learn to hear his voice. And uh, remember those principles. One, is it biblical? Two, run it by mature believers. Three, what's the fruit of it? And four, if it's safe to test out, test it out and see what happens. And you'll get to know whether or not you're hearing God's voice in the way you think you might be. All right, let's move on to um, further through. We're going to look at Monday's lesson, um, an, an attitude adjustment. Our attitude often determines our ability to influence others. If we've got a loving and caring attitude, it can make all the difference. Jesus showed so much caring to that woman who washed his feet. She could have, he could have embarrassed her in front of everybody, but he didn't. And if we have the right answers, we can drive people off by giving the right answers, but delivered in a harsh way. You know, I remember wanting to witness to my next door neighbor and I was building a friendship with him. And at one point he was asking me about my faith and he said, I, he, he was talking about himself and he said, well, I, 
I smoke and I drink. He said, you must think I'm a real idiot. And I, I was kind of taken aback by that. And I said, I don't think you're an idiot. And it, just as I've reflected on that, I was thinking, well, he must have just assumed I would naturally be judgmental of where he was at. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a good bloke and I wasn't thinking of that way about him at all. And over time, I've built a good friendship with my neighbor and we help each other out with yard work from time to time. And I've got, I'm sure he knows that I don't think he's an idiot now. And we've got a platform where I can talk to him more about God or because I've invested time and shown him a non-judgmental attitude. Now, that doesn't mean that I agree with drinking and smoking. I've never said outright that I think that those things are bad, but I'm sure that he still knows that I think that, you know, they're things that I wouldn't do. Um, actually might have mentioned it, but the, it's not something that I've dwelt on. And he can tell by the way that I interact with him, I'll ask him advice on something, that I have respect for him. And um, I think it's critical to figure out how to convey that respect and a caring attitude to have a platform to be able to share more about Jesus with someone. All right. I think it's really important how we handle ourselves on the internet. And that's worth thinking about here just for a moment. If we want to show a caring attitude, the way we handle ourselves online is worth thinking about, particularly when it comes to disagreements and confrontation. We can easily drive people away. A few quick th thoughts. Firstly, being able to hide behind a screen, can it's a real artificial social dynamic and it can make you feel more quick and easy to be brushed than you would be in private. And if you think to yourself, would I ever say that to someone if they were in the room with me? And if, and if you'd never say it face to face, it's probably a good idea not to say it online either. Secondly, others are reading your conversation. It's public. If you're correcting someone or rebuking them, what about Matthew 18, which says, rebuke your brother in private. But so often I see these conversations play out back and forth, back and forth in front of anyone in the world who would want to watch. And so I don't understand how that would fit in with that biblical principle. I think there's a better way to do it one-on-one um, -on -one in private. Thirdly, just communicating online or even in text message can be a pretty lousy communication tool since so much communication is body language. So you can, you can be left wondering, are they being sarcastic? Are they being abrupt or are they just in a, hung, a hurry? are they really angry or didn't they notice that they left the caps lock on and it's all in capitals? Uh, what's going on here? And so often we can bring shame on the gospel if we don't be more thoughtful about what we're typing online. Should we ever have spiritual conversations online? Yes, for sure. But it's so much better to move them offline into a personal conversation, so much more powerful and it's, and it's safer and better that way. A good question is, can I be bothered to meet with that person and dialogue with them in person? And if you can't be bothered, um, perhaps that's an indicator that the love that's necessary in a loving attitude to have a, have a, uh, a confrontation with someone, you can't even be bothered to talk to them in person. If, that, if you don't have that sort of loving energy there for them, maybe that's a good indicator that that, that conversation probably shouldn't take place until you're in a position where you have, you care enough to take the time for them. All right, we're going to jump ahead to um, Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and just share a few thoughts really that hone on this concept of having a combination of both 
love and truth as we connect with people in having a winning attitude. Tuesday talks about witnessing just by the life we live and the necessity to speak out words about Jesus as well as it. So I want to talk about your life and your words as a disciple. Now, I hear lots of people say, I witness that I'm a Christian just by the life I live and actions speak louder than words. And so I don't really say anything about me being a Christian. I just act like a Christian. The thing is, the scripture says that Christians are supposed to speak out and witness to Christ being king and savior. And so if you're acting like a Christian, that ought to include that part of Christianity. Um, Then you've got people on the other end of the spectrum who can't stop talking about Bible truths, but it's questionable how, how much they care for people. And so some people emphasize friendliness, others emphasize the truth. What's the best form of witnessing? Well, it might be a bit obvious. Why are we asking this as if it's an either or question? Obviously, it's going to be both in a healthy Christian life. You know, should, should I be witnessing by my actions or should I be witnessing by my words? Why would you want to choose between these two? It's like saying, which would you rather have, your arm or your leg? Isn't there a scenario where I can have both my arm and my leg? Can't I have both living the life and speaking it out? And as I've spoken with our evangelism director in our conference, Matt Parra, he's pointed out to me that whole communities will have an emphasis on action or on word. Some will do a lot of community service while others do a lot of proclamation and prophecy and Bible studies and Bible teaching. But he's pointed out to me that the communities of Christians, the churches that have both a strong community service and um, Christian action arm and a strong proclamation arm, they're the ones who have the most baptisms, the most growth. And I believe that this is relevant to us in person and as a community. And if you're strong on one and weak on the other, this is why we have each other and we can work together to be intentional about bringing about that balance. Moving forward to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, I've been enjoying reading a book called Crucial Conversations by Patterson, Grenny, Macmillan, and Switzler. And these four authors have put together a book on how to have difficult conversations with people. And um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday talks about how as we're loving to someone, there, are, there is a time and a place to talk to them about important things to do with their faith, which might involve you know, a, a conflict-oriented conversation well, perhaps conflict's not the right word, but perhaps it's better to call it a crucial conversation where the intensity of the moment could lead someone to misunderstand whether or not you love and care. So often it's important to wind things back so that we can make sure that we're handling those conversations in the right way. That's such important conversations because often a, a conversation that's so talking to the heart of the matter is just what we need to move ourselves forward. But so often they're messed up and people get pushed further away. So what's the, what can we learn in how to have these crucial conversations with people? I want you to ask yourself this question, and this comes from the book Crucial Conversations. They, the authors ask, have you ever been given a serious reprimand from someone, but instead of rejecting the criticism and turning away from them in anger, you actually embraced what they shared with you and really learned from it? And if you can think of a time like that, maybe it was a coach, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a boss or a friend, ask yourself, why was I able to do that? 
what kind of a relationship dynamic existed between me and the other person that allowed me to take on that feedback and do something useful with it instead of just getting upset, turning away and pushing them away. Now, that's a really good thing to dwell on. Maybe you can discuss this in a Sabbath school group. Most likely, I'm guessing there was respect involved in the equation. They showed you respect and you had respect for them. Probably there was love and care in the formula. You know, there's a lot to learn in this space. And again, I'm enjoying reading that book, Crucial Conversations. But we as Christians need to learn how to be full of love, but also be able to share the truth in love. And that's something that's a, that we, don't, we shouldn't be surprised that it's going to take work and effort to learn how to do that and to do it in the moment. I want to have a prayer with you to finish. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, please fill us with your love. Please give us the knowledge of what we can say to others to help them um, move closer to you as our own personal testimonies and, and knowledge of you and your word. Help us to be able to bring these things together in a way that doesn't push people away from you, but is magnetic and draws people to you, Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so we're in the right place at the right time. I want to pray for people as they're processing the lesson this week and sharing it in their um, Bible study groups and Sabbath morning or whenever they meet. I just pray, Lord, that your spirit would use this time in a great way to grow us as believers and grow us in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. God bless you.